Hello and welcome to The 100 Podcast. Zen Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're back for another of our team previews. This time around, it's the Oval Invincibles women, the team that won the tournament last year, Charlie, and somehow, after winning the tournament, come back with some massive additions. They should absolutely be challenging again this year. Absolutely. And what I think is really interesting about their squad this year is that with just the one exception of a player who missed out through injury, what they've done is managed to make several really promising additions without actually losing anyone from their squad. I think that is a really impressive feat. Let's get into that player right now. Lauren Winfield-Hill, Northern Superchargers captain last year, comes into the top of the order for the Oval Invincibles. Experienced England player, uh, someone who scored a lot of runs in, you know, in the domestic circuit as well. Charlie, she could be a massive impact maker for a side full of impact makers. It's a huge signing. It's a really big signing. I was very surprised to see it. I was amazed that Supercharges were willing to let her go, to be honest. I don't know why or how it happened, but there's only one winner, really, and that's the Oval Invincible. She is a fantastic signing. We imagine she will go straight into this team, number one in the order, opening up with Daniva Niekirk. It just makes sense, doesn't it? You look at her opening pair and you think, yes, this is the one. This is very strong. So really good bit of business from the Invincibles there. And like I say, already... They've got stronger from last season, which is pretty impressive. Van Niekerk, of course, MVP last year, took a load of wickets with her leg spin, scored a lot of runs. She's had some injury concerns recently, so hopefully she's back in time for tournament. But that opening pair of Winfield Hill and Van Niekerk is super exciting. And then at number three, Alice Capsey comes in, broke out last year, showing a load of intent playing this year for England. Uh, she's a star of the future, of course. But at number three, she can be a massive impact maker for the Invincibles. So that's a strong top three already, Charlie. It is. It really is. Capsey's been in, in very good touch for England, as you say. She has upped her intent considerably. Uh, she is a really impressive talent at only 17. You know, it, it's ridiculous. And I don't want to put too much pressure on her because when you're 17, that's the last thing you need. You know, But she's handling it incredibly well so far and I think she's only going to flourish I think you know she's going to absolutely take on that responsibility of the team and, and nail it it's a good top three and it's one of the strengths of this side I think and, and to give you a little background to what we do and um, with how we plan these podcasts we will have uh, the team list the 11 we provide and then we'll have strengths and weaknesses and we'll list them uh, and in strengths to start we add you know a, a good top three batting and then the next strength is just simply Marazan Cap and I say this because I believe Marazan Cap is just the biggest asset in short form cricket in in women's cricket she's a fantastic opening bowler swings the ball destroys sides she destroyed the Southern Brave who were so dominant last year with a new ball that's how good she can be and then you saw in the recent test match um, South Africa versus England how dominant she can be with the bat I just purely believe she's probably the greatest short form women's cricketer of all time she comes in at four she's a game changer Charlie and you could build your entire team around Marazan Cap yeah look Cap is one of those players that speaks to himself at this point it's so rare in cricket nowadays especially to find these genuinely gun all-rounders those who are so strong with the bat and the ball to the point where you can't really say they have a specialist skill and Cap is one of those few she is so dominant, so genuinely elite in both disciplines, with both bat and ball. She is such a big boom to any team and they've held on to her, which is almost like a new signing in itself. I know it's a horrible cliche, but genuinely I feel like she is so good, it basically is. 
to contextualise how good Marazan Cap is, to be clear, she missed half the tournament last year. She only played five games, and yet she was still the number seven wicket taker in the tournament. So that's how good she was with the ball. And even further, when you dig into the specific stats of how good she was with the ball, 11 wickets in five games averaging 6.36, economy rate of 5.06. That's a runner ball taking a wicket every seven and a half deliveries. Utterly ridiculous with the ball. And then she averaged 37.5 with the bat. So just the you know, the thing for this franchise, you know, any team that has Marathon Cap is going to be a pretty exciting force. So that top four is something to build around, especially when you have two gone rounds and Van Kirk and Cap and Alice Capsi, who's actually quite a useful off spinner as well. And then you go down into the batting depth, let's say. And I think what's really good about it is with a lot of teams, you have that gun top order. And then maybe you have some domestic options who are still kind of fighting to work their way into their careers. Maybe haven't played a lot of 100-level competition before, so might struggle. But in Maddie Villiers, Eilish Cranstone, Emily Windsor and Kira Chatley, you have a kind of batting depth that you can work with. We know what Maddie Villiers can do specifically with the ball. We'll get to that in a minute. But Eilish Cranstone's the second leading run scorer in the Charlotte Edwards Cup at the minute. She's in fantastic form. And Emily Windsor is averaging 50 plus in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. So you've got at six and seven, two batters who are in fantastic domestic form. And that can add huge value for this team. Absolutely. I think those are two signings that have always gone under the radar a little bit. Cranston came in from the spirit in the offseason. Windsor came in from Trent Rockets, neither of whom you necessarily considered as being particularly key cogs in their teams originally. But all of a sudden, you look at them in this Invincibles lineup and you think, you know, they could be really important players here. And I think their use will be mainly, I mean, obviously, they're going to contribute a lot with the bat themselves, I'm sure. But I think what they could really do is allowing that top order of Winfield Hill, Van Newkirk, Capsi and Cap to play with more abandon, to play more intentful cricket because they know that they've got more batting to come, more depth to come. And that's such a valuable thing. It means you can play without fear and your best players at the top of the order can basically play without fear uh, and they don't have to kind of anchor up, if you will, and take on extra responsibility. They don't need to now because they bat right under seven and eight. So... Those are two really impressive signings. They've gone under the radar, but they shouldn't because they will add much value to this team. And it's nice also, I think, is if you were to lose early wickets, you know maybe you don't want to expose Maddie Villiers too early. Stick Emily Windsor up the order, stick Alice Cranston up the order, even stick Kira Chatley up the order a little bit. You just have that depth, which I think is so important. So the batting side of that's great. And then let's get into the bowling. We've already talked about Dame Van Nierkirk and her leggies, Marazan Cap. But then you have some really nice options specifically it was spin-wise with Maddie Villiers and Danielle Gregory. That's a good point to start with. And you already have Capsi, you already have Dane Van Nierkirk. Maddie Villiers is an England-level off-spinner and Danielle Gregory's a very talented player who I think can ascend this year. It's a rounded lineup, isn't it? You have options there. You have a little bit of variety. Look, you're going to be relying, of course, on the likes of Cap, uh, on Villiers and Shavlin Ismail, of course, who is an absolute gun. But there is variety there. There is roundedness. And... As we saw last season, the way in which they performed in the final against Southern Brave was phenomenal. And it was that bowling attack that won them that game. No question about it. The way they ripped through Southern Brave's batting lineup, basically within the power play, was brutal. And 
if you're in a position to just front load those seamers again, go hard. And then if that doesn't necessarily kill the game off instantly, you have those really tidy spinners to tie things down and put pressure on. It's a really good setup. It's a really good system. And we saw it work consistently last year uh, in both men's and women's 100 competitions. That aggressive power play approach with the top quality spinners to put the brakes on and apply that pressure in the middle. It's, you know, it's a winning strategy. So yeah, they've recruited well here. They're nicely balanced. And I think they've got a lot of potential to be very good again. I, I kind of waited to come on to Shannon and Ismail because I think their seam attack is a potential weakness of the side. But we know how good Ismail is. She's really quick and she can really trouble batters. And that's going to be, you know, very important for this side. But obviously they lost Tash Farrant. She was the leading wicket taker in 2021 in the entire tournament. 18 wickets, averaging 10. Strike rate of every 10 deliveries. Conrad of 6.2. She, you know, for all of the love for Cap Van Nierkirk, Ismail, was a really key part of that attack. She goes this year. We don't, you know, we're not completely sure who's going to come in and replace her. We have Eva Gray, the medium pacer coming in, you know, a good young bowler, but not really of the level of Tash Farron, who also added a left arm option. So I do think there's a concern about how that is going to work because, again, you've got Cap, Van Nierkirk, Ismail, great, Villiers, Cap, C, you know, Gregory, Ospin options. It would just be really nice to just have one more seam option you could really depend on. And I think that's being greedy, to be frank, to say, well, we, we need the leading wicket taker of the tournament back when we've already got all of these fantastic options. But it is going to be a blow for them. So it's, I'll be interested to see specifically how they use Eva Gray and Danielle Gregory when you already kind of have five bowling options there. How key is their role going to be? How is Dan Van Nierkirk going to use them? I think that's going to be a really important part of their season. And it's also worth mentioning that, you know, Marazan Cap and Shabnam Ismail missed games last year. So when you've got those injury problems, specifically with Van Nierkirk as well, how are they going to be able to back that up when your overseas stars go? Susie Bates has been brought in as the overseas wildcard. I imagine that's kind of a backup for Van Nierkirk. But if Ismail and Cap go down and you don't have Tash Farrant to turn to, there could be an issue there. When you lose a player of the ability of Tash Farron, it's always going to be a really tall to replace them. Obviously, you could bring in Eva Gray, for example, but it's a really tough challenge for anyone stepping into those boots because, you know, that's a there's a reason Tash Farron is where she is in the game. You know, that isn't a skill set that everybody just has. You can't just, you know, pick someone off the shelf and get them in there. That's elite level bowling, as we saw from her last season. So, yeah. It's undoubtedly a blow. And I, I take your point that without her there, the seam attack does not look as strong as it did last year. But I still think they've got the bowling stocks there to, to more than trouble the opposition when you need to. You know, I I do think compared to last year, yeah, maybe not quite as strong, but I think there's a strength in other areas. I think they've got what it takes to to maybe patch over that a little bit. But we'll see how it goes. It, it's hard to predict exactly how they're going to play that. So what are your predictions for the Oval Invincibles this year? They won the title last year. Are they coming back again in 2022? I think they're definitely in with a shout. You look at that squad there, like I say, obviously the loss of Tash Farron is a blow, but the addition of the likes of Winfield Hill, Cranstone Windsor is also a very big plus. So in the in balancing it up, I think if they don't get top three, they are going to be disappointed. I think with the talent they have there, I think that's a fair statement. 
In terms of our fantasy pick, obviously we're playing fantasy cricket over at the Cricket Draft. If you want to join our league, check out our podcast Twitter page, at Podcast 100. We've got all the details. It's quite difficult to go pick a fantasy pick here because Marisane Cap is obviously, again, the greatest T20 asset in the history of women's cricket, in my opinion. Dame Van Neerkirk was the MVP last year. I do want to throw it over to Alice Capsey, though. Very talented player. Also bowls the off-spin. And if Eva Gray and Daniel Gregory can't quite be depended upon with the ball, you're going to see a lot of Alice Capsey there will be opportunities for her to pick up lots of runs and potentially some wickets as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need a backer to improve on where she was last year. I think she's got it in her to take her game to another level already. And as we said many times on these squad preview podcasts, our fantasy picks are always leaning heavily towards the all-rounders who are going to contribute in both disciplines because that's where your point's going to come from. And Capsi, we think, is going to do a fair bit of both. So she's a good bet there. But Cap also, you can't really go far on, can you? With such a star-studded lineup, it's also quite difficult to try and work out who I want to watch is. So we've got a couple of players, really, in Ice Cranston, Emily Windsor. Obviously, we mentioned Cranston, second-leading run scorer in the Charlotte Edwards Cup. Emily Windsor's averaging over 50 in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. I think, you know, if wickets were to fall early, if they want to push Maddie Villiers back, those are two players who could get an opportunity. And as you mentioned, they were kind of pushed out of franchises this off-season. Emily Windsor was totally an utterly awfully used by the Trent Rockets last year, who were a completely dysfunctional side, the way they were picked up. Their, their use of domestic players was dreadful. And you look at this star-studded lineup and you think, well, if they can get the most out of Cranston and Windsor, they are really using their resources the best way. So I'm interested to see, not only to see them, two very informed players perform, but also to see how the Invincibles use them. Anyway, the Oval Invincibles, Champions last year, potentially champions this year. Lots to love, but can the loss of Tash Farrant be overcome when their bowling attack maybe just doesn't quite have the horses it did last year? We're excited to find out. Now, if you want to check out more of our team previews, check out our feed. We're doing one for every single men and women's side. And if you want to find out more about the podcast, at Podcast 100 on Twitter is where all the fun is at. But for now, thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you.